What do you get when you take the southeastern parts of Washington and Oregon and combine them with the northern part of California and the rest of Idaho? Give up? You get Greater Idaho, or as I like to call it, Super Idaho. Professor Norman Williams from Willamette University College of Law joins us. I'm Lawrence Cluddy, and this is Legal Talk Today. Welcome back, listeners. Thank you for being here with us. We've got a weird show for you today, but first, we need to thank our sponsor, Noda. Noda is powered by MT Bank because you went to law school to be a lawyer, not an accountant. Take advantage of Noda, a no cost IOLTA management tool that helps solo and small law firms track client funds down to the penny. Visit trustnoda.com forward slash legal to learn more. And Noda is spelled N O T A. Terms and conditions may apply. All right, let's say hello to our guest, Professor Norman Williams. He's the Ken and Claudia Peterson Professor of Law at Willamette University College of Law in Salem, Oregon. Very apropos to our show in terms of his location. Welcome to the show, Professor. Uh, thank you for having me, Lawrence. Yeah, thank you for coaching me up on how to pronounce Willamette University. I really appreciate it. Sure, sure. So we're going to be talking about these seven Oregon counties, Professor, that want to break away from the state of Oregon and become part of Idaho. And I want to work through that step by step to kind of fully define what all the steps mean. But before we get into it, you know, I want to kind of build out your expertise a little bit. Uh, Talk about the courses you teach at the law school. Sure, sure. So my expertise is in uh, American constitutional law and election law. So I teach our basic uh, constitutional law one and two courses as well as a course on election law and a course uh, on advanced constitutional law and the U.S. Supreme Court. So you're a double threat guy. I I like to think so. (laughs) Okay. okay. Well, let's get into these uh, seven Oregon counties. And so as I understand from the storyline here, five just recently joined the first two. And the whole idea is now they want to, um, they voted and in the vote, uh, in that vote, they determine that they want to take next steps to breaking away from Oregon to become part of Idaho. So let's start with the origins of that and walk us right up to their vote. And then we'll we'll do the follow ups after that. Sure, sure. And to really understand the history of what's going on here, we have to go back farther than just two years. We have to really go back to the, the middle point of the 20th century, because Oregon has long had kind of a, a parts of the the state wanting to leave the state either to uh, join a different state or to create their own state. In the mid 20th century, there was a serious effort in several Southern Oregon counties to create what was called the state of Jefferson or what would have been called the state of Jefferson by seceding from Oregon and joining with some Northern uh, Californian uh, counties uh, to create this this new state. Um, That went nowhere. But I think the more kind of recent move by the eastern Oregon counties to join with Idaho is really part and parcel of that same effort by rural voters in Oregon who are dissatisfied with what they see going on in the Oregon government, which is dominated by voters in the northwest populous portion of the state. And so two years ago, there was an uh, effort to collect signatures for ballot measures in several Oregon counties to put on the the ballot in those counties, a measure that would, uh, a non-binding measure basically directing county officials to promote the idea of the county seceding from, from Oregon and becoming part of Idaho. Last year, two counties passed the ballot measure, and then this past May, as part of the, the, the May 
statewide election, five more counties approved the ballot measure. So there are now seven counties in eastern and southeastern Oregon who have adopted a ballot measure urging their county officials to work towards those counties leaving Oregon and becoming part of Idaho. Now, as I understand it, uh, this is part or this is coming at least in part from a group called Move Oregon's Border for a Greater Idaho. It's a group that's led by uh, President Michael uh, MacArthur. And uh, so he's looking eventually, as I understand it, to have 22 of the 36 Oregon counties uh, join, but also parts of Northern California, parts of southeastern Washington. This would create the uh, United States third biggest state and also give it access to the Pacific. I mean, I looked at the map that they have planned. I mean, it's pretty impressive, a weird looking state for sure, but uh, you know, it's got a diversity of terrain and topography. So I think it would be a really interesting place to live. But uh, in terms of like some of these other states, what have you heard from some of these counties? Are they working with out-of-state counties? How's that, how's that uh, moving forward? There's very little coordination between the various counties themselves and with with out-of-state actors. I think Idaho legislators uh, and governor were taken by surprise by this effort. And one of the things I think it's important for your listeners to kind of understand here, and let me just kind of briefly describe it so as to kind of make sense as to what's going on. Oregon's a very large, a large state, kind of it's a rectangle. The northwestern portion uh, of the state uh, where the Willamette Valley is contains the the, the heart of, of Oregon's population, the large metropolitan city of Portland, the, the state capital, Salem, the city of Eugene, where the University of Oregon is located. So of Oregon's four million person population, about three million of those people, three quarters of the state's population, lives in the northwestern sector of the state. The eastern two-thirds of the state, east of the Cascade Mountain Range, comprises two-thirds of the the territory of Oregon, but it comprises just a small percentage of the Oregon population. We're talking about a couple of hundred thousand people, and most of that located in the growing city of Bend, which is at the westernmost portion of the eastern portion of, of the state. So we're Uh, We're talking about kind of an effort here in Eastern Oregon. These are large counties by territory, but small counties uh, by population. And the other key thing to to make sense of this is that it's not just a geographic divide, it's a political and cultural and economic divide. The Northwestern sector of the state uh, has large and growing tech industry, very diversified economy, urban and suburban cities, and quite frankly, uh, leans overwhelmingly democratic. The eastern portion of the state, very rural, its economy is rooted in ranching, agriculture, and to the extent it still exists, timber, and politically it's very conservative, Republican. And so this, this move to secede from Oregon and join Idaho really is kind of rooted in this partisan, cultural, and economic uh, divide. Now, there's been recently um, a lot of sort of uh, upheaval in terms of uh, state territories. You know, we've had the Chaz Chop, you know, this sort of, uh, I don't know, kind of a weird country or self-declared country up in Seattle. Of course, we've had talk about D.C., uh, Washington, D.C. becoming a state. There's also been talk about Puerto Rico becoming a state. But, uh, Professor, we do have a long history of creating new states out of territories. Sometimes we just 
grab some of our territories like Hawaii and Alaska and just declare them a state. Other times we peel away part of a state to create another state. Of course, Vermont from New York is one of those examples. Kentucky was created out of uh, Virginia. But in terms of this, what do we officially call it? I mean, you're just taking, you're not creating a new state. You're taking part of one state and then pulling it away and putting it onto another state. Is it called a partition? Is it still a secession? What do we officially call it? It's an excellent question because this is really unprecedented in American history. We've created new states, but we've never taken a portion of an existing state and uh, joined it to another state with a couple of very minor exceptions that that happy to happy to to talk about. And so I kind of view this as a secession from Oregon and a proposed merger with Idaho. There have been some other examples in American history. Um, Maine was created out of Massachusetts as part of the Missouri Compromise of 1820. The more controversial, though we accept it now, uh, example is West Virginia. West Virginia seceded from Virginia when Virginia had seceded from the United States as part of the American Civil War, and West Virginia became its own its own state. But we've never had a situation in which a large section of a state voted to join a different state. And so this would truly be unprecedented in in American history. Now, these seven counties have voted on this issue. And basically, the uh, I guess the gist of their vote is that we're going to now start taking next steps to leave Oregon and become part of Idaho. But that doesn't exactly mean that they're part of Idaho. So what is the legal impact of their vote? What does it mean? Yeah, these votes are are non-binding votes, uh, meaning they're directing county officials uh, to meet, uh, to work towards relocating the the border between the two states, meaning these counties to leave Oregon and join Idaho. But the county officials themselves have no power to do that. In order for this to take place, both the Oregon legislature and the Idaho legislature would have to agree to the redefinition of the state boundaries. Both states would have to redistrict their state legislatures to provide uh, for different district boundaries in each state. And most importantly, Congress would have to approve the measure along with the president's signature on, on the bill approving this. And so it's going to take two state legislatures, Congress and President Biden, signing off on this for this to actually take place. The, the votes by the, the county voters in these counties is really a, just a, a first step, but not a legally binding first step. Can you build that out for us a little bit more? And so obviously you need approval from Oregon and Idaho, but what does that look like from their legislative perspective? Sure, sure. So the first thing that would have to take place is that uh, the Oregon legislature would have to convene and approve the redrawing of the the Oregon borders. And again, as part of that, uh, create a new legislative districting map uh, in which uh, Oregon's 60 representatives and 30 state senators are drawn exclusively from the counties that remain in Oregon. Idaho would then have to do something similar. Its legislature would have to convene and approve a measure redrawing the Idaho borders and then redistricting the the Idaho legislature to include the population now that it had uh, inherited from Oregon. And uh, both states 
in those bills would have to agree on exactly what's the boundary. Uh, so this would become an interstate compact between Oregon and Idaho as to what the new boundaries of the two states are. And then Congress would have to pass through both the, the House and the Senate a bill approving that change in borders. And because that bill would be amending the enabling acts that admitted both states back in the 19th century, that bill would require the president's signature. And so there are a number of steps that would take a great deal of time for this to actually take place. You know, I'm having flashbacks to my property law class in law school about meets and bounds. So anyway, well, how does that- That's exactly right. The boundaries of each state are set out in detail, both by Congress and in uh, state law. And (laughs) changing those boundaries is going to take a little bit more work than just simply saying, uh, for instance, Malheur County is part of Idaho now. Yeah, that sounds like it would be a monstrous headache. Well, how does this, uh, you know, this process, it's a little different because you're not creating a new state. You know, you're pulling from one territory, kind of redefining the boundaries here. But uh, you know, tell us how this is different than, say, you know, we got Puerto Rico out there, U.S. territory. And of course, Washington, D.C., you're sort of annexing part of Maryland there. You know, uh, functionally, you know, Washington, D.C. is a federal city, but it exists within the boundaries of Maryland. So how is this process that you just laid out in terms of Oregon breaking away here or parts of Oregon breaking away different from those two examples? Yeah, Lawrence, it's a great question. And it's one I struggled with over a year ago when I first heard of this effort. Because the, my first reaction was, well, why don't these counties just want to secede and become their own state? Again, in the t- mid-20th century, there was a similar effort in Southern Oregon and Northern California to secede and create a, what was going to be called, state of Jefferson. And as a new state, it would have two U.S. senators in the United States Senate, which would seem to be something that these voters would want. And so the the question that I first struggled with was, well, why don't these voters in Eastern Oregon want to secede from Oregon and become their own state or maybe resurrect the effort to create the state of Jefferson? And the answer to that really comes to it's highly unlikely that the U.S. Congress is going to create a state with such a small population. For most of the 19th century and early 20th century, when uh, when most of the states of the United States were admitted, there was a population threshold that the territory had to surpass in order for Congress to take seriously the notion of admitting a new state. Wyoming right now has the smallest population of any of the 50 states, uh, a little, little over 500,000 people. These uh, Oregon counties well, the five counties that voted several weeks ago for for secession have in total uh, less than 100,000 people in population. And so I think an effort by Eastern Oregon to become its own new state would fail because there's just not a sufficient amount of population to justify adding a 51st state here, unlike Puerto Rico, which has millions of residents, unlike with the District of Columbia, which also has over uh, over a million residents. And so proponents of this measure, I think, understood that their, their only real strategy for success was not to try to become their own state, but to join with an existing state. Uh, and they chose Idaho rather than, say, Nevada, because Idaho is more reliably Republican than Nevada is. 
Well, in your opinion, and just if you were to put your uh, gambler's hat on, since you mentioned Nevada, you know, how likely do you think this merger with Idaho uh, is to happen? I put this in the 1%, 2% likelihood. There are just too many approvals that are required. The Idaho governor has said he supports it, and the Idaho legislature is controlled by the Republican Party, so they might be supportive because these Oregon counties are Republican-oriented counties. The Oregon legislature and Oregon governor, all Democrats, I think are unlikely to basically vote for turning over two-thirds of the state to, to a different state. A couple, of, uh, a couple of my very partisan Democratic friends will snarkily observe that, okay, these Republicans in Eastern Oregon want to, to leave, ha, 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 let's let them, which would effectively end the Oregon Republican Party as we, um, as we know it. But I don't think that the Oregon legislature or governor want to kind of go on record of being the ones who basically divided the state uh, and turned over more than half of the state by territory uh, to another state. And then, of course, when it turns to Congress and to the president, (laughs) given our partisan polarization in America and our inability to get things done in Congress, in part because of the Senate filibuster rule, I just don't see kind of the redrawing of state boundaries in this very partisan way being something that the U.S. Congress is going to to sign off on. I mean, at the end of the day, there are just a lot more important things, both for the state of Oregon and for uh, U.S. Congress to be doing than to be looking to rejigger state boundaries just because at this point in time, uh, there are some voters in the state that would rather be part of Idaho. What I would say to to Eastern Oregonians who are disenamored of their state government in Salem is if you really love Idaho, move. Well, Professor, thank you for sharing your time and knowledge. I really enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you very much, Lawrence. It's been a pleasure. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And one more thank you to our sponsor, Nota. You can find them at trustnota.com forward slash legal. That's Nota spelled N-O-T-A. And last but never least, thank you to our team, producer Molly McDonough and our LTN audio crew, because they're the best. This has been Legal Talk Today. I'm Lawrence Coletti. Have a great day, everybody. 